Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hello and welcome to It's a Fandom Thing. I'm your host, Erin Marlowe, and each week I'm joined by a panel of guests to discuss all things fandom and pop culture, primarily from a female perspective. You'll find everything from fanfic, to cosplay, to Schitt's Creek, to Supernatural, and everything in between. So put on your favorite piece of fandom merch, set aside that fanfic that you're writing about your OTP, and sit back and enjoy this week's episode. Hello, and welcome to It's a Fandom Thing. I'm your host, Erin Marlowe, and on this week's episode, I am joined by Bex from Big Reputations Pod and Sasha to discuss graphic novels. Now, as I have mentioned a couple of times, this is something I am not that familiar with. I have read a couple of them, but it's not really a thing that I am well-versed in. So this is going to be more the interview format in a way, and I'm going to learn a lot from my two amazing panelists. No pressure, but I expect you both to be brilliant, (laughs) but no pressure. (laughs) Okay. All right. Here we go. (laughs) But I just want to, a little, this is a little bit from Wikipedia and my panelists can correct this when I get to them, but about what a graphic novel is. But Wikipedia states, A graphic novel is a long-form fictional work of sequential art. The term graphic novel is often applied broadly, including fiction, nonfiction, and anthologized work. Though this practice is highly contested by comic scholars and industry professionals, it is, at least in the United States, typically distinct from the term comic book which is generally used for comics, periodicals, and trade paperbacks. That's all I'm going to say right now. (laughs) So I'm more confused than I was when we started this. But I'm hoping... (laughs) I'm hoping to become less confused as we go on. So what I first want to know, Bex, since you are a graphic novel scholar, I've just determined this she's like no i'm not okay yeah sure sure here we go (laughs) what was the first graphic novel that you ever read okay so first i'm gonna say well yes i am teaching a course that focuses on graphic novels i am relatively new to the medium I really only started reading it a few years ago. So when I think about that, the first thing that comes to mind, which this kind of ties into your contested, is it a graphic novel? Is it a comic? What is there a difference kind of thing? Is when I was a kid reading like Calvin and Hobbes, like we had the collections of the Calvin and Hobbes books. And I know that's a collection of comic strips, so it's a little bit different. 
but it's still that that sequential images medium. But if we're going like long form, I didn't read my first graphic novel until, like I said, probably was it must have been 2020 because that was the year that uh, a particular show based on the graphic novel I'm going to mention came out and um I the reason I didn't was because I used to struggle with reading them. I was an avid prose reader since I was a kid and I would find myself rushing over the pictures and only reading the word bubbles and not focusing on everything that was happening in the story. So I actually had to spend some time like training myself to read them. <laughs> and what better way to do it than with my very first graphic novel, which was Watchmen. <laughs> <laughs> now, Sasha may know this, uh, I'm not sure, but um, that's a pretty heavy duty graphic novel. It's very dense. It's very long. It's dark. It's a heavy content. And so I sat down to read this graphic novel knowing that it wasn't like anything that I was familiar with relating to the content. And I knew it would take me a while to get through, right? So I I picked it up. I went little by little. And and I got through it because I think the the for me the panel layout was very helpful. The panel layout for the Watchmen graphic novel is like very sequential panels. There's not a lot of like of the funny shaped panels, if you will. And um I think that helped me kind of train myself and guide myself in going you know, left to right and not being like, what do I read next? What what's the what's the speech bubble that I'm supposed to focus on on now? But I will say that reading The Watchmen as my very first graphic novel kind of reminds me of how Twist and Shout was the very first fanfic I ever read. It's like one of those things where it's just like, oh, you're diving all the way in, right? Like you're not easing yourself into this medium. You're not easing yourself into a particular genre. You're just jumping in whole hog and that was me with um with the watchman but yeah i i did end up liking it it took me a while to get through and um that just sort of opened the door for me reading other things down the line i just have a question just because as so coming from a point of view of someone who's only looked at a couple when you're saying the layout like do you mean sometimes like um, this may be a stupid question, but the way some of the images are laid out, so you're saying like they're more like sometimes they can be laid out in different kinds of fashion. Is that that's what you mean? Sure. Yeah. Yeah. So um, one thing that's really common, especially in like superhero comics, you might see that a lot of this is if there's an action scene, they might have panels that are like triangles or diamonds or to kind of like give that actiony feel to it as opposed to something that's a little more linear. Okay. And so when I talk about the layout of the panels, in that case, it's like panel. The Watchmen's, a lot of the pages are like three by three in the panel. So you read one, two, three across, one, two, three across, instead of like stacked on top of each other or in different shapes. No, I think that's a that's an excellent question. Okay. Yeah, I would prefer that with the... Like you're saying with the across, just for the way because the way my my mind works and the way my eyes are mm -hmm. trained, 
it helps when you're when you're training yourself to read the graphic novel for sure. I think that's a, an easier place. It was an easier place for me to start anyway. Yeah. Oh, I wanted to ask. So that one is the Watchmen. That's by that's Frank Miller, right? Or is that something else? So is Alan Moore and Dave Gibbons? Yeah. Well, and I was thinking that also because doesn't Frank didn't Frank Miller did the series of the Batman ones that were a lot darker too, right? Okay. I think so. Yeah. Yeah. He did something. He did something. It was it's gritty. It's like a gritty thing yes. that he did. So Sasha. My other scholar on graphic novels. <laughs> we no both pressure. made scared, scared faces with that comment. <laughs> I know. I love you both. What was the first graphic novel you ever read? All right. So I saw this and my brain immediately short-circuited and was like, I don't know. I honestly, I couldn't tell you. I, like Bex, had, you know, comics like traditional comics wonder woman and um i've i did a lot of comics as a kid kind of growing up and the calvin and hobbs you know traditional comic strips that were just put together in anthologies and i was trying to think of the first graphic novel and i literally could not come up with anything as to what the first one was so i'm just going to go with roughly seven eight years ago now Pop culture classroom is going to murder me. I started working with them and we piloted a program in the Boulder County Jail. And we were doing literacy and art with um, inmates in Boulder. And so we brought in graphic novels that we read with them. And uh, there's one that I'll, you know, definitely mention later that we had done, but we did like Laika, just the story of the Russian. The dog in space. Yeah, Cosmodog, Cosmonaut Dog. So if you don't know the story of Laika, it's, you know, dog in space. And so we we did a whole series. I think we did four or five books with them that were all graphic novels to help them with literacy. Like we're doing literacy education and then also teaching them about graphic novels. And like you're saying, Bex, like the layout and the panels and speech bubbles, thought bubbles, how you can have different sequential things in art, how you can have bleed in a comp in the panel where it goes outside of the boxes and goes through the boundaries. You could have a whole page layout. That's just imagery that tells part of the story, the action motions, you know, bang, pow, like Superman style comics, you know, when somebody gets punched and it's like, pow, and you see the starburst. So we went through all of that. So I think I'll have to go with probably, you know, like Leica or one of those books that I did with them, you know, seven or eight years ago, whenever it was, but, I, for the life of me, cannot remember the first one. Um, I also am an avid reader since my dad will tell you I came out uh, reading like day one, just picked up a book and was like going for it. So it's hard to remember. It's hard to remember your first graphic novel. <laughs> so you were reading graphic novels since you were a kid then? Yeah, well, I was doing like comics and stuff and like the anthologies mm -hmm. and things. And then... Yeah, like the compilations, right? Like when they bound together, you know, Walking Dead or um, what is the other one? Sam oh, I read uh, books. Yeah, that kind of stuff. I later in life read another, a, a book series, and they turned it into comics, and then they did the anthologies. So I would have to say originally probably an anthology, which I know is not a graphic novel, so... 
I have feelings about that that I'll talk about. <laughs> and I agree. I think that anything that is artistic and serialized like that, it should count. Because it's really, it's the, it's the artistic expression. It's funny when you look like Merriam-Webster's dictionary gives it the definition is a fictional story that is presented in comic strip format and published as a book. Yeah. So that's the definition that the dictionary gives it. But yeah, yeah. Which is false because there are plenty of nonfiction mm-hmm. graphic novels. My students are currently reading an autobiography graphic. Thank you, dictionary. <laughs> it's it's really Yeah, and and in terms of comics, like I don't buy single issue comics because I don't have that kind of money. You know, to be doing like five dollars every week or two weeks or a month or whenever it comes out. So I wait until they come out in the compilations and I buy them all together and read them straight through. So if I'm reading five or six issues together back to back, does that suddenly become a graphic novel or is it a bunch of comic books clapped together? Like, it's weird. So when I taught, because I'm teaching, I teach special ed kids in high school for our listeners, just so that you know background of where this is coming from. And I know we're going to get into this in a minute, but when I explain the difference between a comic strip, a comic book, and a graphic novel, we talk about length and that a graphic novel is a completed story. Okay. So if you take comic books and bind them into an anthology, once it's done and you have the complete series, I mean, it could be at that point. But like, mm-hmm. you know, Walking Dead did it like they've got Compendium 1, Compendium 2, because that is a huge series. So I don't know if I would consider that a graphic novel. I think a complete story is what makes it a graphic novel. Okay. I like, like that. You have a beginning and an end. And it's a very clear beginning and end. It's not like, a oh, I have comic books 1 through 15, and then I have comic books 16 through 30. Okay. That's so that's how I determine it is it that it is one complete story. But it can be nonfiction. Yes. Not just fiction. <laughs> and rant. <laughs> I'll 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 pick it up for you in a moment, don't worry. <laughs> um. <laughs> Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo Concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. And of course, like I said, this is something that is very new to me and I'm not like up on it. I will be giving a shout out to one of our absolute favorites at the end of this who he has a graphic novel now out. So I will be giving a shout out to him and to the artist as well. But this is a very new thing. And actually, you know, I will be completely honest. I never really read comics either. I And I know, you know, there are some things with hosting a fandom podcast that people go, oh, when you say, and that's one of those things, but it just was never really my cup of tea. But I love 
like things that would come from things that would come from comics. But but what appealed to me with the things that I've read about graphic novels and, um, you know, when you mentioned The Watchmen, I would think this would go definitely into that, is the darkness. Because when I was saying Frank Miller, Frank Miller did The Dark Knight Returns, which is a Batman graphic novel in 1986. And I, I am a big fan of Batman. I understand why people don't like Batman, but I'm a big fan of Batman. And so to me, because that's a lot darker, that appeals to me because I have that darkness in me. Uh, (laughs) I embrace the darkness. So that's what interests me about graphic novels. And when we did our our May Marathon streaming event, I had on, I had a guest who does graphic novels and Tina Horn, and they do graphic novels that are very, uh, very much in the, the dealing with BDSM and sex work and stuff like that. Very adult themed, but also very dark as well. And so that was like my first real introduction to reading them. And it was just interesting to me because this is where my next question is going to come up with, with what the difference is, what sets a part a graphic novel from a comic book, other than the definitions, like the just generic definitions, and what your opinion is on that. Because when I'm looking at that, when I'm reading through them, and when I'm seeing other things, I'm like trying to determine what that difference is. And I always thought in my head, just because of the things that would come out, that it meant, and I'm not saying comics can't be dark, but that it meant that it was darker than a comic. But then everything I'd read says that's not really what it means. So that's where my confusion came in. So I'm going to ask my panelists. So Bex, first, what do you think sets a graphic novel apart from a comic book? So I think I'm I'm going to go off of some of the things that Sasha was saying before, right? It It is, for me, about length and plot right like does it have a a narrative through line is there time to develop characters and storylines does it i i mean i i didn't really think about it in terms of does it come to a conclusion but i think that makes a lot of sense right if it does then it it can be considered a graphic novel but to be honest and and this also goes into the rant about graphic novels can be nonfiction. i have started using the term graphic narrative Hmm. instead to be sort of an umbrella term for comics, graphic novels, graphic memoirs, right? Because like they call it a graphic novel, but it's a memoir. Like that's not fiction. (laughs) That's nonfiction, right? If it's about a historical figure, that is not a novel. <laughs> As someone who worked in a library and then a bookstore for probably about 25 years combined, I, I, that term like adding novel to it just, it kind of gets me. So, you know, I told the students that the the course that I'm doing is a graphic narratives course because then it can encompass uh, all of those. You know, for me, it's about remembering that this is a medium, not a genre, whether you call it graphic novel or graphic narrative or comic, it's a medium, right? It's pictures and maybe words. Sometimes you don't need words uh, because the, the pictures tell the whole story. But 
these books come in all different genres, right? So, I mean, as I mentioned before, I am relatively new to to this medium in general, but from what I'm learning in these last few years and and trying to repackage what I'm learning into lessons for my students, this is kind of the conclusion we're coming to. You were talking about like terminology and things like that. My students get a whole list of vocabulary. They're, they're, one of their assignments is to build a glossary over the semester. What's a gutter, right? That's the space around the panels. The gutters can tell part of the story sometimes, right? We have one that we're reading in class. It's an America Chavez one. When it's in the past, the gutters are blue. When it's in the present, the gutters are white. And I don't know, all those things kind of, kind of play into it. But for me, I, I, length is a big piece. And then plot line is the other thing that I would consider. Hmm. I don't know. <laughs> no, I like that. That, I don't know that I like that. Thank you. Sasha. The complete story I think is the key component for me. I like the graphic uh, narrative. I like that terminology. I like that a lot and uh, enough that I might actually steal it. Well, I stole it from someone. So (laughs) awesome! why reinvent the wheel when you work in education, steal other people's crap. So yeah, I think length is part of it, but I'm not so hung up on the length because there are some very short graphic novels that are a complete story but they're still short they're not like comic book short they're still very clearly like novel like book length but they're you know i'm thinking of um it's the cute little dinosaur dude gone gone g-o-n there are no words in any of that owly is another one um it's a little owl there are no words in either of those comics but they tell or in those graphic novels but they tell a complete story from beginning to end not a single word. It's just pictures. You get the whole story. He's an angry little T-Rex who goes on rampages. He's just very, he needs therapy. It's fine. <laughs> um, but they're short. You know, they're like, I don't know, 30-ish, maybe 40 pages. So we're not talking like, you know, Mouse, which is a very heavy, dense one. But it is a complete story. So I think complete story is the key. But I I like the graphic narrative because it really is. It's all, and I like what you said. It's graphic novels are not a genre because there are, there are horror ones. There are fantasy ones. There's sci-fi ones. There's autobiographies. They are turning, you know, classic works of literature into graphic novels. It's, so um, it is not a genre. It is definitely a medium. Do you want large print? Do you want small print? Do you want an audiobook? Do you read on a Kindle? Do you want to see pictures with it? Here's a graphic novel. Well, and also having that, like, like you were saying, where some of them are just the pictures. So you're just telling the whole story with pictures, which is very interesting to me because I, this is all interesting and fascinating to me because even reading up on it is different than what you're saying in a way. It's kind of like everything you read up on it is very, I don't want to say clinical, but it kind of feels that way. And when you're hearing more about the experience of people reading them or looking at them or seeing them and what you were saying, Sasha, too, with um, like novels, turning into graphic novels, like on our 
favorite books episode when I was interviewed about, um, and I talked about Odd Thomas, and that's a series of books that Dean Koontz wrote. He also made a graphic novel of those. He also has done several of his novels. He's have been turned into graphic novels. So it's just, it's interesting to me. It's like it can encompass everything, like you said, a medium. So it, it, that makes more sense than if you were to say a genre, because I think that's what a lot of people like me and other people that aren't as familiar with it automatically think. And I did, I automatically always thought before we did this, graphic novel equals dark. That's what I always thought, like darker for some reason. So interesting. No, this is very interesting, right? Although thinking of dark, I have a a quick recommendation for you, Erin. I think you would like the Love and Rockets series. I haven't read a ton of them, but it's definitely like 80s punk type stuff. So (laughs) might be up your alley. (laughs) If you wanted to give something a test run, that's all. Uh, Especially the 80s punk thing. That's totally up my alley. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I think that's a big part of it, right? Whatever you're reading, when you're having trying to get kids to read and such, to say to them, like, what is it you like? What are you interested in? What kinds of stories and, and things do you want? Because some of the like old classic stuff is going to bore them because it's not contemporary, but they that doesn't mean they don't enjoy reading. It just means they don't enjoy reading that particular story, mm-hmm. if that makes sense. No, it does. Because when I was reading, um, and it's it's Safe Sex or SFSX, but it's Safe Sex by Tina Horn. We had Tina Horn on here. And it's very much dealing with BDSM and in a very positive light and a very real light and sex work in a very positive light and stuff like that. And that's much more up my alley. So when I was reading that, I was like, oh, this is totally my kind of thing because of that, because of the fact that it is dealing in that. And when I see their stuff that's horror or like I said, you know, Frank Miller, The Dark Knight, that's just, that's more dark, that's darker. And I like, and so that appealed to me. So I think that's a, that's a very good point there so that you can find your own entryway and not everything's going to appeal to you in the medium. So, yeah. Well, I wanted to know, Bex, what have you learned from reading graphic novels or what have you seen your students learn from graphic novels? Yeah. Uh, So first of all, reading is reading, right? Visual literacy is just as important as written literacy. And for so long, there's been a stigma, and it's one that I held for a while as well, is that like, oh, reading comics or graphic novels, that's not really reading. That's too easy, you know? But it isn't if you're doing it like with care, right? Any reading can be easy if you're just like looking at the words and turning the pages, but are you really taking in the story, right? I think just like I, Sasha, you mentioned it, like listening to an audiobook, that counts as reading too. So why wouldn't reading a graphic novel version of something count? You know, as I mentioned, I'm, I'm teaching a course this semester and we're reading graphic narratives exclusively. So it's Latino literature in the US and it's really been fun to see the way in which the students engage with the text. I mean, we've only done superheroes so far. We did um, America Chavez, and uh, we're doing Reptile next week. 
uh, and some Spider-Man. But then we're moving into uh, like a horror novel and a, a ghost story novel. And then we're doing a memoir. And, you know, even just watching them in these first three weeks of school sort of dig into the meanings in these in these stories and to watch them go like, wait, how do I, you know, I'm used to reading a novel for class where I write notes in the margin. How do I annotate for a graphic novel or a comic book? Like this is, and so it's, it's like a whole learning process. But the big thing that stood out to me this past week when we were doing America Chavez was just the way in which they, so many of them anyway, saw themselves in her. And how they talked about how it wasn't just what she did, but it was how she looked. And and the fact that she was written by a Latina writer and drawn by a Latino artist. And and they they really connected with it. So like that's the thing that I think a lot of students these days are they've grown up with visual media, right? That's it, just from day one, they've been inundated with visual like films and 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 you know graphic novels and YouTube and like everything is is a a, a visual format. So it, it may for some of them take a little bit of training, but like they can really read into them, and comic books in particular, but some of the graphic novels they can really be subversive. You know, uh, they address real world issues, real concerns. Like, I mean, the X-Men being allegories for oppression, especially like disability, racial, like all of these things. They they take these comic book characters and their superhero traits or their weaknesses and so on. And that applies to like a real world thing. And that's why I think I was looking over the like some of the essentials that I was thinking of and like all of them are queer books because that's a medium that like a lot of queer creators find like safety in that space. You know, for me, one of the things I learned was how to read differently to appreciate that people read differently. Right. Yeah. I guess again, just there's so many ways to enjoy a story. Is it a print book? Is it an ebook? Is it an audio book? Is it a, a a film like you can read a film all of these count to me if you take the time to carefully consider what's happening in the text so yeah that's a lot of a lot of a lot of little things in there that i learned no but that was great i love that thank you and sasha yeah so i think for me it's easiest to say like what my students get out of it you know and i've fought admin several times because they hold that you know stigma the stereotype oh comics aren't reading comics aren't reading so i uh in my little research rabbit hole found scholarly articles that were like hey look this actually reading graphic novels actually introduces more novel vocabulary so new words new terms new things to students than reading a book would also having the visual cues helps them make inferences and understand story and plot devices better so at the high school level 
kids, the entire thing for like freshmen and sophomores is making inferences and finding theme and being able to back stuff up with evidence and pulling stuff from the text to make these cues. Graphic novels make that easier because they have the visual along with the words, but they are being exposed to harder vocabulary and new vocabulary. And so it's actually boosting their reading skills through this medium. And so I fought for a long time now to use it in classrooms because a, if you have a 17, 18 year old kid who's reading at the second grade level, I'm not going to hand them, you know, Romeo and Juliet. I'm not going to hand them Beowulf. (laughs) Yeah. Like some of these harder, you know, required readings at the high school level. They can't, they're not going to be able to access it. Their frustration is going to be there and they're going to give up and they're going to be like, I never read. I can't read. I hate reading. When you give them Romeo and Juliet in a graphic novel, they're like, oh, well, I can do this because they have the visuals to help them. The words are still hard. We still work on the vocabulary. We still get through it, but they at least understand the storyline because of the imagery. So I've seen a lot of success with my students. I've seen them feel more confident to try and read out loud. That's terrifying, by the way, for people to read out loud when other people are around. It's like, we don't want to do that. So for them to read out loud in a class they're willing to do it when there's the graphic novel. If I give them just a text, like if we're reading an article, they're like, mm, mm, nope. So I've seen them boost in confidence. I've seen academic scores go up. And then like you said, Bex, like anything, reading anything is reading. I tell them if they're going to watch YouTube videos to put on the captions. Like at least put on the captions. You're still reading. You know, like let's do something. If you're going to watch If you're just watching TV at home or watching a movie, put on the captions. Like, and graphic novels is like that gateway part. You know, it's somewhere between watching TV or a movie and just a straight novel. Does that make sense? Absolutely. That that made a lot of sense to me, for sure. Yeah, and it's just, I don't know. My entire curriculum this year is nothing but graphic novels. That's how I'm teaching everything for my freshman and sophomore English classes is I'm doing everything through graphic novel. I love that. Yeah. I love that. Yeah. I And I just want to take a second just to say to both of you, since you both are, you both teach and you both are teachers and you're, I know you're a professor, Bex, and that I don't, you know, we don't, It's not that, well, we don't value education as far as like, we don't value the fact that everybody is entitled to an education and everybody should be given one. And we also, but we don't value the people that give that education, that, that share that education, that teach. So just thank you both for, for doing that and sharing that and, and teaching through that and using a medium like this. And like you said, Bex, and I and I think this is very true. There is a feeling, you know, at first of like, well, is it, this isn't the same as when you're reading these, like, you know, um, like throwback to. Um, sorry, my brain just totally left me there, but I was going to throw back to you know you're, you, when we were talking about your favorite novel and how am I forgetting his name all of a sudden? 
Oh, Kurt Vonnegut. Thank you. Yeah, I mean, it's, yes. I mean, you know, when you're talking about something like that, and you're like, well, that is like deep, and you can, which I'm not saying it's not, of course, but that's deep, and you can find metaphors in that. And but when you're looking at this, I think what some people mistakenly do with graphic novels and comics is they think of it as child's play, in the fact that it's just for little kids. And it's this, it's the same problem you run into with fandom. It's the same problem you run where it's like there's an age limit and you're only supposed to enjoy them at a certain thing and you're not going to learn anything from them. It's going to be like picture books, but you can learn stuff from picture books. So it's the same, it's the same kind of, it's the snobbery. And mm-hmm. I think that that's, um, and so I appreciate that you both are using this as a tool to reach people in different age groups too. So you've got high school and college. So I think that's really wonderful. One of the cool things about people, some people dismissing comics is that if they're just like, oh, you know, it's no big, like they're just, it's just child things, then they're not actually looking to see like the, the deeper messages, but the people reading them are. So those kids are getting those messages and, and learning those lessons about the world, like from a very early age. And so I, yeah, I think that's, that's really cool. For me, another thing is that because I read prose early on and, and a lot of it, I think I developed, or maybe it's not something you develop, maybe it's just something that some people have and don't, but I visualize everything I read. Me too. I can create those images in my brain. Not everyone has that, a, an easy time with that. And so, as Sasha was saying, these help give context clues and and build that comprehension around the words you're seeing on the page. Mm -hmm. There's actually a clinical thing for that, and I can't remember the name of it. It's like anaphasia or anaphasia. There's something where people, I say, picture a bunny. I can picture a bunny, but some people can't at all. And so, when they read, they don't, it's just words on a page. They never get that immersive experience. Someone was just, I think Carla was just telling me about that condition because yep. I'd never heard of that before. Yep. Uh, yeah. I apparently I know several people like that who don't I'm like, how do Yeah. I also found out that there are people who don't have a constantly running inner monologue. I wish I could I shut it off once in a while. Monologue. You know, I'm like, how quiet is your head? But there's people who literally can't picture things. I'm like, how? Wow. Okay. I don't know. Yeah. And I think it was once I learned that, that I started being a lot more open to this idea of graphic narratives being something that can be so helpful for certain readers and, and just enjoyable for many more readers. Yeah. There's an, and I won't mention it, but there's a, old 80s movie and there's a scene where they talk about oh well he's only reading comic books mm-hmm. like that doesn't really count and it's like no reading is reading mm-hmm. like reading a comic great that's a better alternative but if the, anything they read I even joke with my students at the beginning of the year you know I'll say what do you like to read and I say this could be you know old works of like 
literature, it could be graphic novels, it could be ads on the subway, you know, <laughs> like if you're if you're taking it in and you're you're reading these words and putting the the visual literacy together with the narrative literacy, it counts. <laughs> yeah. No, I I completely, completely agree. Cause there I mean it and it's also that thing of like people do that even with works of fiction and or stuff that aren't comic books or graphic novels people do that with if you're reading a romance novel that's not real literature if you're reading sci-fi if you're reading oh yeah fanfic big time which uh, once again i'm gonna argue a lot of fanfic writers out there are better than a lot of published writers so and a lot of published writers write fanfic too so it's a novel is a novel, a reading, reading is a, a reading is a reading, reading is a reading. <laughs> I mean, a read, a read. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> when you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouthwatering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey, podcast listener. Do you love talking about movies, music, TV, comics, and games? Then you should be listening to The Great Pop Culture Debate, back in bigger than ever for season nine. This season, the panelists discuss the best James Bond film, the best Elton John single, the best Nickelodeon original series, the best Batman villain, and so much more. Find the show wherever you listen to podcasts or head to greatpopculturedebate.com. More than 100 topics are already available. Subscribe today. Uh, well, and when I put this on here, I was like, I wonder how hard or how easy this question is going to be for my panelists. So Bex, I don't know how hard or easy this was, but... I want to know, can you name for me, for people that are starting out or just anyone out there, this might be difficult because as we've talked about, people have different kind of genres that they like to read. But what for you are three essential graphic novels? All right. So the first one I picked is Fun Home by Alison Bechdel. Uh, it's a graphic memoir. And it centers on the author's relationship with her father primarily, but it's also her whole like coming of age story. Um, her father died in what she believed was uh, suicide. Uh, but it's a story that's told in a nonlinear fashion, right? So you have present like more more contemporary scenes. You have more like childhood scenes or flashbacks to the father's youth and. I think the way this one is laid out is a great it's a great format because you've got your panels and it's there are some speech bubbles but there's also like captions underneath each picture that kind of guide you through uh the images. So most of the book deals with her adolescent discovery of her homosexuality which parallels with what she later in her life realizes is her father's closeted queerness. So the the book the memoir uh, deals with sexuality, gender nonconformity, family dysfunction, self-exploration, these kind of things. And it wasn't the first graphic novel that I read, but I think it might have been the second one. Hmm. Or, excuse me, graphic 
narrative. (laughs) (laughs) See, even I slip up sometimes, but I'm trying to trying to switch my vocabulary. And I think because a lot of people have heard of Alison Bechdel, uh, like Bechdel test Mm -hmm. and all of that. So, um, and they made it into a Broadway play, I believe. I didn't get to see it. I had wanted to, but yeah. So there's another medium you can enjoy that story. (laughs) The second one is called I'm a Wild Seed. And this is by a, uh, an author named Sharon Lee de la Cruz. And this is sort of a, it's interesting because it's like part memoir, part like, I don't, I was going to say informative nonfiction, but I don't know what inf- what's not informative nonfiction. That's, that's a weird term. It's, it's basically like a, a bunch of little autobiographical comics put together that guides the reader through the author's understanding of queerness, what it means to be a woman of color. You know, she's Afro-Latina and, um, she, as she, she goes through all these different stages of kind of continually working to undo the effects of like the patriarchy and her cultural experience and a like growing up in a colonial society and how this impacts her self image. But she does some like little history lessons in there where she'll talk about like Marsha P. Johnson and, um, and that, the the events of Stonewall and how bars can be a safe haven for queer people. Uh, she talks about intersectionality and like introduces readers to this concept. So there's like, it's just, it's a very informative book through, um, through a graphic narrative. And I think it's really cool because she divides it into these chapters and then about her discovery of her queerness and sort of coming to a healthy place with that, but also again the impacts of her cultural experience tied in with that. So that's when we're going to actually be reading that one in my class this semester. And the author is the partner of one of my colleagues, <laughs> and so she's we're trying to get her to come in and speak with my students one day. So I'm very excited for that. Um, and the third one that I'm going to recommend is I really enjoyed it, but I, I put it on here specifically for Erin because I think it's one that that she might be interested in. It's part of a series called, it's the Joe Hill Hill House graphic novel. So he's got like a, a series of them. I've read a couple of them. There's one that I was just like, mm, no, not for me. <laughs> Thanks anyway. But this one I I really liked. Um, it's about two friends who live in a small town. Their names are Octavia and Elle. And it starts out, they open up the, they, they wake up in a movie theater. Okay. But they don't have any memory of the movie except like the opening credits or the previews, right? But there's also evidence that maybe they weren't there in the movie theater the whole time. So they live in a town called Shudder to Think, which is a great name. <laughs> but it's um it's based on a town in Pennsylvania. And it, in this town there's like stories of there's been like this underground fire for years. It's just been burning. I think it came from like mining times. 
Um, and but they can't put the fire out for some reason. Uh, but this town, it's kind of eerie. It's kind of creepy. There's like a lot of men die for different reasons, some related to the mines, but also the women end up like losing parts of their memory or they go missing regularly. And it's set in the 90s, like early 90s kind of grunge era stuff. And I don't want to give it away, but it definitely is one of those books where if you're concerned about potential trigger warnings, I would encourage you to look them up in advance. Um, but it is a story about friendship, grief, em- empowering rage. I love the the rage that's in these characters. Uh, queer female friendships, right? Platonic friendships here. But yeah, definitely some triggering topics. It's, it's got a, a very horror vibe to it. But I think it's it's a really good story. So those were the three I went with. I you know there are probably plenty of others, but I was like, I think I think these are the the three that jumped to mind first. What was the name of that one? Because I didn't get oh I didn't that. even say yeah. the name, did I? No. Um, <laughs> cool, 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 cool. It's a book that you'll love, Erin, but I'm not going to tell you what it is. Um, <laughs> I just thought maybe I missed it. I was like, wait, did I? <laughs> nope, nope, that was me. It's called Lolo Woods. Like L O W, low, low woods. And the author's name is Carmen Maria Machado. Awesome. Thank you. So, Sasha, where do the three you chose? Okay, so mine are going to be vastly different because that's the way I roll. I taught incarcerated youth for a really long time. So, most of my books are going to be for them so they see themselves and. You know, we all know representation matters. So the first one I'm going to recommend is Yummy, um, which is about, it's like the final days of a South Side shorty, I think is the like sub part of it. It's a young man, 1994, who was trying to get initiated into a gang and accidentally shot a neighbor girl. And so it's his last days of trying to get the gang to help him and stuff like that. It's actually a Coretta Scott King award winning um, hmm. book. So, Yummy is the one, the first one I would recommend. It is obviously not lighthearted. It is not fun. It is a quick read. It's short. Uh, We did this with the guys in Boulder County Jail. I did this when I worked with um, 18 to 21 in the Denver City and County Jail as well. I want to do it with my students that I work with now, but I'm trying to focus on more Latino representation for them because I work in a predominantly Hispanic community. So trying to make that. The next one I'm going to recommend, and I'm not going to tell you anything about it, is Stargazing Dog. It is a Japanese um, comic. It is beautiful. It is gut-wrenching. The story is phenomenal. And I'm, I, I literally can tell you. I can tell you that there is a father of a family, and they adopt a dog, and that's all I can tell you. You have to read it. <laughs> because anything else I tell you will spoiler alert all over the place. So Stargazing Dog is the other one. And then I really struggled to come up with a third one because again, I'm like I use a lot of these with my students. So I was trying to come up with one and I was like, I mean, when you think graphic novel and you think like big information, mouse comes up, which is, you know, the Holocaust, that's a really hard read. Both content like content wise, cause it's the Holocaust and 
just the way that it's done, but it is biographical kind of story. Um, so that one's good. Or like March, which is dealing with civil rights movement, you know. Um, so all of mine are more race-based, minus Stargazing Dog. What about Persepolis? Would you put that one on there too? Have you read that one? I have not finished Persepolis, but yeah. Yeah. I would put Persepolis on there. They actually, that's part of the sophomore curriculum. They only do like a section of it. Oh, that's They do like four pages of it. And I'm like, that's such a huge disservice. But Persepolis would be another good one. George Takai did one that our juniors, our junior teacher is doing. And I can't remember what it's called, but it's, I think it's like the, um, the internment camps that they did. Yeah. Was it similar to like his his play Allegiance a, a lot? No, it's they called us something. Ugh. So mine are a lot more like race based. However, as an aside, I am hoping I ordered and I'm hoping it comes in. I want to do Frankenstein with my students, and I've been trying to find really like you know authors. So the kids see themselves. I'm like, well, Frankenstein is white, but it is Frankenstein is written by a woman and it is the beginning of science fiction. Mm -hmm. So I figured I could kind of get away with the white lady for that one. Yeah. Because it is a lady and she did start science fiction. I'm trying to get away from the very white everything that they do. Uh, Um, How about American born Chinese? Is that I have that one. So it might be a little on the young side. I'm not sure. No, it's totally it'll work. Um, I actually just did a donors choose for graphic novels. Um, I picked four graphic novels and it got funded. So American born Chinese is one I got. And then the donors choose had two that I was unfamiliar with. I think my name is Alfonso Jones is one. And of Long way down, long road. Uh, yeah, long, long way down. That's the Jason Reynolds. It's based on a poem. It's the elevator one. He's it's yeah. the elevator. So those, those were the two that were like donors choose top rated. And so I, I got those. But I intentionally chose American born Chinese. And Sasha, is it they called us enemy? That's the George Takai. Yes. Thank you. You're welcome. That's it. Yeah. Um, yeah. So our junior English teacher did that with their students uh, last year, and I think they're going to do it again this year. Yeah. So we're just, again, I'll stick with yummy stargazing dog and then dealer's choice. <laughs> dealer's choice. Because like mine, are, <laughs> mine are really focused on, you know, again, like the gang violence or the, you know, that kind of thing. Because that was the population I was working with. And so for them to be able to read a story uh, that they felt seen. Um, another one that I did was uh, ghetto ghetto brothers. And that's like coming out of the, the gang. So he's the one that was in gangs and then made a turnaround. Mm-hmm. I have that one. I haven't read it yet, but I have it on my shelf. It's good. Okay. It is very good. Well, what I appreciated about what you both said is you both were talking about ones where there are underrepresented groups that are able to see themselves. And um, remember that, I mean, we talk, we say it constantly all the time, but it is very true that seeing yourself 
is important. And seeing yourself in a positive representation and seeing yourself doing various different things and not just one little type of representation is very, very important because it does make a difference. It really does make a difference. It makes a difference in how people see themselves, how people view themselves in the world, how they see their value. So thank you for recommending those because it is, it's extremely important. It just, it's not like a politically correct thing. It is very, very important for people to be able to see themselves in every medium, every medium. It's just, and as fully fleshed out characters. And it's also important that people, that we also shine a light on people that are creating this work that are not just cisgendered heterosexual men, white men. It's very important that we also focus on that too. Although a book I'm just about to recommend it is written by, <laughs> but but I'm I'm but he's a friend of the podcast, and I I felt if we were going to be talking about graphic novels, it'd be kind of weird not to at least mention this. Um, but if you're not aware, we've shared it a couple times on Instagram. Josh Rubin, who we adore on this podcast, director, writer, actor, he's hilarious too. So if you're looking for funny content as well, he does great impressions too. But he has recently released his first graphic novel, Darla. And I also want to give a shout out because she's a sweetheart, follows us, follows us on Instagram as well. And she does incredible artwork. And that's Brie Tippett's. So she did the artwork for this. Uh, but Darla explores like the disturbing underbelly of Americana through politics, health, psychosis, and murder. So it, so I really, really highly recommend this. I don't know if Josh has the videos up from it, but he did a TikTok live on Thursday, September 14th, where he was just reading from the, from the graphic novel. So I don't know if he, because I wasn't able to tune in, but so I don't know if he has on his TikTok. I should have checked. Maybe I'll check right now if he has any um, clips of that. But, uh, but yeah. Please go check that out. We on this podcast will always support Josh, as everybody knows. So it would have felt really weird if I didn't give like a uh, shout out. I mean, if you're going to recommend a white dude, he's the one you'd recommend. Exactly. I mean, he's he's like he's he's one of the good white people, <laughs> one of the good white right straight dudes. He's one of the good Hollywood people too. Well, I want to thank both of you so much for this. This gave me a deeper understanding and appreciation for a medium that I'm not as familiar with. So I really, really appreciate that. So thank you both so much. So we're going to go ahead and close this episode out. And I'm going to have my panelists tell me where they can be found and where their podcasts can be found too. So Bex from Big Reputations Pod, tell everybody where you can be found. Well, um, if you're at New York Comic Con this year, I will be presenting a panel on Thursday, so you can find me there. It's about uh, comics and fandom and pop culture in the college-level classroom, so check that out. Online, you can find me at a single man tier on Twitter and at Dr. Beck's underscore fangirl on Instagram. A podcast that I co-host with my friend Kim is called Big Reputations Pod. We're at Big Rep Pod on Twitter and at Big Reputations Pod 
on Instagram. And that's that. That's me. Awesome. Thank you so much again. And Sasha, we're going to find you. Yep. You can find me on the Instagram at vegan geek chick. And there you can come follow my dog too. Yes. Do it. Almost sounded like the wicked witch and your little dog too. Uh, and this is Aaron. Remember, you want to follow Fergie, who is also a dog and who is also hilarious. Uh, and follow her on TikTok at Schroeder and Fergs. That's S C H R O E D E R A N D F E R G S. Yes, it is long, but it is worth it. Be sure to like the show on Facebook at facebook.com slash it's a fandom thing pod on Twitter at fandom thing pod. No, it's in that one. On Instagram at It's a Fandom Thing Pod. On TikTok at It's a Fandom Thing Pod. If you have any feedback, show notes, if you'd like to be a potential interview guest on the show, please feel free to reach out to us at It's a Fandom Thing Click the Contact Us button there. That'll shoot me an email and I'll get back to you as soon as I can. And while you're there, consider becoming a Patreon supporter today for as little as three bucks a month. And at that level, we are offering a seven day free trial right now. You can get bonus content. You get ad-free episodes. You get to vote for some of our bonus episodes. You get to decide the nominees in our annual Fandom Choice Awards. So lots of great stuff over there. So click the Support Us uh, tab on our website. It's a phantomthingpod.com or click the link in our show notes. And remember, the best way you can support this indie podcast or any indie podcast out there, including Bex's Big Reputation Pod, is by rating us five stars on iTunes and Spotify and share, 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 share. So when you are talking about graphic novels that you love, you're in your reading group, you're in your classroom, your wherever you are, and you're like, here's some great content for you. Go check out this podcast. That is what we need because it's a huge sea of content. And like we're talking about representation matters, there's a meme that goes around that every podcast looks like this and it's three white guys sitting around a microphone. Let's change that meme, everybody. So get, I'm not, hey, I listen to podcasts with just white men too. But let's try and change that a little bit so that people don't automatically think that. Okay? So share, 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 share. And thank you to everybody who listens. And again, a shout out again because Twitter now is – you can't get traction on Twitter anymore. And so I I see you. I see the people that watch my Instagram stories all the time. So shout out to you. I don't know if people want their names shouted out personally, so that's why I'm not. But shout out because I see you do it and it really – it fills me with joy. So thank you so much um, to those out there, to some people that I have interviewed who watch my Instagram stories all the time. It's, you know, as someone who hosts a fandom podcast, having these amazing creators and artists and actors watching my Instagram stories, uh, it's – really kind of like a, I don't mean to be like fangirly about it, but it really is like, oh, other artists are enjoying my content. So it just feels fills me with joy that other creative people 
are enjoying the content that I am creating. So thank you, really. It means a lot to me. So thank you so much. And next week, we are kicking off the best season of the year. Bex can attest to this. That is spooky season. (laughs) Wow. Wow. Okay. You're welcome. Hey, you were on one of our spooky season episodes last year, so. Was I? Yeah. Yeah, I was. Guillermo del Toro. Yes. Okay. So there. I mean, I do love Guillermo del Toro, so. (laughs) (laughs) But we're going to be kicking it off talking about horror novels and i know aaron a is going to be on that and so is paula and i know aaron a is going to be talking about graphic novels so that are horror related so there's going to be more graphic novels mentioned i'm sure you can predict that i'm going to be mentioning dean Koontz again because it was supposed to be a dean Koontz episode but all my panelists suck so love you all (laughs) (laughs) okay so jensen ackles Sasha, they're all gone. <laughs> Jensen Ackles has never been a panelist. <laughs> no, no, but you've already isolated him. You're throwing your panelists and your potential panelists out the window. <laughs> there was a bus. It was coming. Aaron was like, <laughs> No, I love you all. I'm just joking around. It's just I had that on the like. Not a single person was like, oh, I would love to. So our spooky season month, though, is going to be a little bit different because we're not going to be talking about a lot of movies. So we're going to be talking about urban legends. We're going to be talking about, I can't remember all of it right now. Sorry, I don't have my thing in front of me. But I am excited to kick off spooky season. I will say, and I haven't told my panelists this yet, so they will hear this. Two of them will hear it now. We are going to postpone our horror trivia event. We'll probably do it actually around my birthday in November, towards the end of November, as part of my birthday month. And we are doing this because, as I've said a million times, and you can tell me to shut up, but I'm going to Ireland. And because of that and having to prep stuff beforehand, I really don't feel like I have the bandwidth to do it. And so we'll be doing the trivia event. It'll be very laid back, but we'll be doing it probably towards the end of November because it'll give me more time. So just a heads up to everybody. We're still going to do it because I love it so much. It'll just be my birthday celebration stuff. So, And spooky season lasts from July 5th all the way to January 1st. So <laughs> get out of here. Get, get out of here. Nope, nope. Now I'm the one leaving. <laughs> Goodbye. Goodbye. That's just for you, Bex. <laughs> I can't with y'all. No, it's fine. Enjoy your fun. Enjoy it. Enjoy it. (laughs) (laughs) So until next time, remember, it's a fandom thing. Black lives matter and stop Asian hate.